welcome in everyone to this emergency episode of the Batfoot Podcast. My name is Damien here with Matt. Uh, today it's a joyous day. It's a wonderful day. It is Shohei Otani is officially signing with the Los Angeles Dodgers day. So uh, obviously I'm pretty excited about it. But Matt, how you doing? And what what are your initial thoughts of uh, Otani being a Dodger? Um, well, I, I'm I, I'm doing good. I actually I've been watching. Uh, I was watching my Auburn basketball game today, and uh, they uh, it's fun to watch them beat a team like Indiana by thirty points. But um, but anyways, I during halftime of the game, I looked down at my phone and I was like, that's exactly how I expected it to go. Shohei Otani just randomly announced on his Instagram going to the Dodgers. It's like, okay. Then I saw the money, and I was like, oh, my God. I mean, ten, his contract is going to be 10 years, $700 million. I mean, I, I just – I can't even put that into my brain. Like, that, it's, it's an insane amount of money. Um, but, you know, obviously, Shohei Otani is a great baseball player, and he's an international superstar. So – you know, obviously you can't, it's just, it's not my money. So if I, if I was a Dodgers fan, I'd be excited about it. But, uh, it's just crazy to me. I, I'm, it's hard to believe really. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I couldn't tell you how excited I am. I mean, or, or was at the time. I mean, I was just sitting there on my couch and actually, ironically enough, the first like little bit of, of a news that I saw that was like Otani to the Dodgers was actually Shams, Sam Strania from oh, yeah. NBA. He tweeted out like breaking MLB news. Uh, Shohei Otani is a Dodger. And like, I have his tweet notifications on and that was actually the first one I saw. And I clicked on it and I'm like, what? Like, no, no, no. And then like, I then started coming all the MLB reporters ones saying that Otani announced on his Instagram and, I had to run to to the Instagram and look, and I just I threw my phone and then started running around the house, just like, oh my god, I can't believe this. But um, you know, and then the money came through, like you said, ten years, seven hundred million dollars. Um, you know, we had heard kind of through this process, especially over the last week or so, that you know it was probably going to reach the six hundred million mark, somewhere right around there, uh, maybe six hundred million dollars with incentives. Um, you know to get to get up to that to the $600 mark or $600 million mark. Um, I don't think anyone ever expected $700 million. And I think even if you did, you expected it to be a 12 or 13 year deal um, from that aspect. So this is a massive, massive commitment from the Dodgers to Otani. And then Otani made, you know, a part of his commitment to, to the Dodgers as well was he actually brought the idea to make a majority of the contract deferred. Um, deferred money. So we aren't sure exactly what that looks like apparently or, or yet, but um, you know, there's, there's going to be a significant amount of money deferred off of this contract to make the present day value a lot lower. So it allows the team to have more money to consistently put a good product on the field um, for now. So overall, it's just, you know, shocking, at least shocking to me that it happened this way, especially after what we've heard recently this past week or so, which we'll get into here in a little bit, but just overall, like a massive, massive amount of money, like a record breaking contract, obviously, but the implications that this is going to have through the rest of the market through for the Dodgers, for what their season looks like the rest of their free agency. Um, it's just, it's insane. And I'm going to probably ramble on a lot of this episode because, uh, I can't even really wrap my head totally around this yet. Yeah, it's just 
it's wild to me. But uh, you know, kind of looking a little bit more detail, I, I did. I, I do agree with you that the deferred money is going to be a big deal. Um, I'm not exactly sure how the luxury tax will work with that because, um, you know, I don't know exactly how the deferred money does. But I, I think all is all deferred money taken out of the AAV. Is that what it is? Well, see, I'm confused on that, too, because I didn't think so. But yet at the same time, like Jeff Passan and people are saying that it is going to take that down. Like even Joel Sherman was just on um, MLB Network not that long ago saying that um, it affects the luxury tax thing to where the AAV number is going to be lower. And he said he wouldn't be surprised if it gets somewhere down into the low 50s in based with the deferred money. In, in AAV. In AAV, yeah. Okay, yeah. So that, that, makes, that makes sense because, you know, I'm sitting here thinking like, you know, and it, I, I saw that first post about it, and it was saying something about the that most of the salary was deferred. And I guess you just never know what most might mean. I mean, when you're looking at a seventy million dollar contract per year, most might mean you know, you know, it might be sixty million dollars of it, but it could be, yeah. uh, which I would highly doubt that Shohei would put, you know, a, a, a not get th- at least thirty, you know, a year right now, but um. That's definitely interesting, and um, you know, and, and then I think that you know, it's I, I just I, I just I, I'm I'm just I'm I'm still in shock that it was that high. I mean, I yeah, you know, coming off of the injury and with I mean, the reports of being five hundred, six hundred, maybe you know, there were some saying I, I I thought it might be higher than I expected because of that those reports coming out like it's going to be high, but they just went crazy with the seven hundred, and uh, I think that the um. It sounds like it, the bidding wasn't even very close, like because no. because what 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 uh what, I forgot I forgot which one it was, but one of the you know baseball big baseball insiders you know said was that you know the, that someone in another front office that was of a finalist told him it's not going to be six hundred ninety nine. It was we didn't offer him six hundred ninety nine million. In other words, like that offer just blew everyone out of the water. So yeah. uh, definitely interesting to look at there, and um, yeah, it's it's a you know, it's a, it's a big deal. It's a historic yeah. contract. Yeah. And the thing to note on this contract is there's no opt-outs. It's a straight yeah. 10 year, $700 million contract. So he will be a Dodger for 10 years. Um, assuming they don't trade him, but like what team's going to be able to take on that contract anyways, he's, he's I mean, a Dodger. Yeah. Um, but I mean, coming down to the, uh, coming down to it, I think this was the Dodgers. they Okay. For the past 10 years, they've made Shohei Otani their holy grail person to go after. They had to deal with him coming out of high school that his uncle talked him out of to go play professional baseball in Japan. They wanted him in 2017, but they didn't have the DH. Like I, They made sure – and last year, they didn't do much in free agency to set themselves up for this year. They – basically pulled the trump card on everyone and said, we're just going to throw everything that we need to, to make Otani come here. Um, and one thing, I think one part of it that makes me feel a little bit better about the, the side of him pitching is Neil Elitrach, the one that did his Tommy John surgery is the Dodgers like team physician that they send everyone to. And apparently he was like in the meetings and gave them full confidence of like, He's going to be back. The like the surgery of this, it was he. There's no worry about if the second Tommy John's going to really hurt him, um, his pitching ability. 
so that gives me a little bit more confidence and that might have gave the Dodgers a little bit more confidence to say, okay, well here's $700 million. Right. And the other thing of it too is yes, we look at $700 million of what the Otani contract is, but I think partially what a lot of people don't account for is how much money Otani is going to bring in, in advertising, marketing, uh, I mean, obviously Jersey sales, ticket sales. I mean, that, that, that's never going to hurt there, but there was talks of, he would bring $20 million a year to the angels in advertising wise. Right. So that immediately makes this contract a 10 year, five, $500 million contract. If that, that's $200 million right off, which is the amount people thought he was going to get right around yeah. there. And with the Dodgers power now and being in that, he's now with a Dodgers brand, you could see that number go up. It might even be able to be double itself. It might make it to $40 million depending on what they're able to do here. Right. So I, there's a lot more, this contract's a lot less than the $700 million than it's being looked at for the Dodgers because of what's going to be offset it coming in. They might offset half this contract. I mean, they might offset $350 million with the branding of having Shohei Otani on their team. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was going to bring up that point too. Um, I do not think it's double the twenty million. Basically, that twenty million number uh, you were talking about. The way I understood it was that was kind of what other executives around the league said that he, they thought he meant. And you know, the one thing to remember about that too is that you know there's some teams around the league that he would have been the like the only reason people were interested in that team. Like you know, if he went to internationally and stuff like if he went to like the Dodgers are a national brand with or without Shohei Otani and really an international brand. I mean, it's one of the biggest brands in the, in, in the world. But if you go over to like, um, you know, if he, if he went to just say like, just, I mean, I'm not even a team that was involved, but like the Reds, like he would be the Reds brand. So I think that's one thing that, you know, he probably brings more money in, in that way, just in like, cause the Dodgers are already bringing in a ton of money. I don't know how much more money they can bring in. So, but you know, that $20 million is probably, it might be a touch higher than that with it being the Dodgers, maybe 25. Um, but you know, it basically boils down to, like you said, it boils down to about a 10 year, $500 million contract. When you take out that money that has been, you know, kind of allotted for, Hey, this is how much he's going to generate, which is kind of, it kind of says to me that, you know, Shohei and his team kind of look through the, Hey, we're going to get the money that we're worth and we're going to make a team pay for my talent type thing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that ended up being the, um, you know, that ended up being the number. And I mean, it's, it's a wild one, but um, it'll be interesting to see. And, and we can kind of move past the contract part and see where things go from here. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the Dodgers fill out their roster because in 2024, Shohei cannot pitch at all this year, uh, yeah. no matter what. Like, you know, 2025, the, the the hope is that he'll be back to 100% for 2025. Um, you know, and, and I know the, the whole thing with Dr. Elitrach and everything, and he's a great surgeon. Um, you know, the Dodgers have a history of being able to bring pitchers back from injury. Um you know, I think they've always done pretty well with workload management and stuff. So I wouldn't be, you know, I, I think that I, I think there's a really good chance that Shohei comes back. But you, there's never a guarantee that a pitcher comes back healthy from second Tommy John surgery. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see if the Dodgers, like with the amount of money they allotted to Shohei, how much more, how much higher can they go? And 
what kind of pitchers are they going to look at in in free agency, or, or maybe maybe because of their farm system, they might go into the trade market for pitchers. I believe. Um. So apparently, one of the Dodgers people, Vasse, who has a lot of connections within the Dodgers. I mean, he does has Roberts on all the time. He was just in Nashville with Roberts, Friedman, and all of them. He said this on his show breaking the Otani stuff here just like the last hour or so, they're still going to be super aggressive trying to get Yamamoto. Um, they really do like him. Um, but the thing is with the Dodgers is they were already like $120 million under the luxury tax this year um, The for their team payroll. I think right now their active payroll – trying to see what it has it as we're not gonna we're not gonna know because we don't know what the deferred money is for like luxury tax purposes well i mean i was just gonna say what they had and then if we just counted 70 million dollars where they were still at um, okay but it says right now they are at projected total payrolls 150 their active is 117 so 117 is what it's at and then if we add 70 you're at what 187 well, the the but but you're gonna have the arbitration stuff too. That's what that potential is. So what you so have arbitration so players one fifty eight. So they're a hundred okay. almost a hundred million dollars under the the luxury tax thing because isn't it two fifty this year? Uh, don't 237. think it's quite two fifty. Yeah, I, was say, I think it's two thirty seven. So they're at they're at one fifty eight. Yeah, in the seventy, they're at what one twenty eight. So they're yeah. still twenty million dollars under the. Yeah. The uh, thing right now. And that's, there's still some, uh, you know, with potential trades there yeah. as well that, that could happen. That, that, now that, is that including the ARB, the ARB guys who are going to get, you know, I, I'm sure that like, like Walker Bueller is going to get a pretty hefty amount in, in ARB. And then, you know, Will Smith probably going to get a pretty good bit this year in ARB. If it, I think he's got enough service time, right? And um, Gavin, yeah, Lux, Gavin Lux might not be ARB yet, but. If he has these um, ARB one, which wouldn't yeah. be a lot. Yeah. Um, that's the one fifty eight is for their estimated arbitration salaries. Okay. So it's so what they're estimated the, at right that plus now. The seventy is probably a good good idea yeah. of what they're at. It's about two thirty. And and I mean, you know, you're looking at the Dodgers roster right now and you've got Walker Bueller, who you feel pretty good about Walker Bueller coming off of, you know, his injury. He he came up last back up, you know, and, and pitched in rehab assignments late in the year last year. Uh, you know, he was pretty, you know, he looked pretty good, um, before he, you know, they kind of shut him down, but you look at that and then you look at, um, you know, that Bobby Miller showed a lot of promise in that rotation, but beyond those guys, like they really probably need three starting pitchers. Um, you know, so, you know, I, I could see him going on Yamamoto, but if they're paying him 30 million a year too, I, it's hard to see how much higher they're going to go you know are they gonna run a 400 million dollar payroll i mean it's hard to it's hard to say so um i still think they make it they they're gonna get two to three starters if you get yamamoto then i think you are they're making a trade for some some way an affordable starter um that's under contract at some some you know maybe like cease who has like a little bit lower since he's on arbitration two or whatever yeah he's not he's he's got Um, two years of control he's making i think cease is projected at around 10 million this year yeah so i could see them making like if they were to go make the yamamoto deal somebody like that because it's it's undervalued there um but a big part of this too is is that 
Bueller is going to be a free agent next year. Yeah. Um, so well, Otani's your replacement for Bueller. Right. I mean, that's kind of but, a. But what I'm saying is that they're, they might be even accounting for, like, if you were to sign Yamamoto, like, okay, well, you're just giving away the Bueller money in Yamamoto. Yeah. Anyways. And you're getting him 25 years old. You know, you get a lot more of the prime where Bueller's going to be yeah. what hit free agency at 30. Yeah. So it's kind of along those lines is what I'm looking at it there. But I wouldn't still be surprised if they're going to to run a high payroll again this year. Oh, yeah. I um, mean, they're above the, Dodgers, the tax. Definitely. I was going to say the Dodgers are definitely always going to run a high payroll. I mean, they just yeah. are. But yeah. Um, and it's, it's going to be interesting, too. I mean, you look at their lineup right now and you've got Mookie, Shohei, Freddie. Mm-hmm. Will Smith, but then, you know, Max Muncy's still pretty good, but, you know, there's not a lot of depth in that lineup, and you don't really, that the Dodgers have all these this platoon stuff that they do, and they do need to add some to their lineup and, and to their bench yeah. as well. I mean, because right now, like, if you're looking against facing a left-handed pitcher, you're going to have James Outman and Jason Hayward as your as two of your primary outfielders, and, you know, you're looking at, like, you don't have a replay. You don't have a platoon partner for either one of them. I mean, you look at maybe Miguel Vargas takes off this year, and you know he's a top prospect. But I mean, I, it, it's going to be interesting to see what. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do, and they've got such a you know high end farm system right now that I wouldn't be surprised to see them you know make that trade for a pitcher and you know maybe add a and probably add you know uh, some form of a like a Mark Canna type. Or something like that type of. I don't. I think Mark Canna's already signed with somebody or got traded or whatever. But he's in Detroit. Detroit, yeah. That that type of that type of player, I think, could could be a good ad for him. Yeah, I think I think Outman will play more every day um, in center this year. Yeah. Um, and then you you need a right-handed, you know, complement to Hayward, which apparently they really like Johnny DeLuca, who has shown a history of hitting left-handers pretty well so maybe they look because he's super cheap too maybe they start the season with him as the the platoon for hayward and right field but left field they're they're really hurting right now i mean right now the projected starter is chris taylor which you would like him to kind of just be able to be you know your utility kind of play everywhere type person and this lineup is really really left-handed you're talking you got i think six lefties right now in this lineup um, the only right-handers that you have on a consistent basis are Mookie Betts and Will Smith. Doesn't Mookie Betts have reverse splits too? Uh, or at yeah. least at times he has. Yeah, at times so. he does, yeah. Um, but those are your two right-handers right now, right? So uh, to me, you need to and, – and all the le- other left-handers, it's not like they're going to get rid of – anyway, I mean you got Freddie at first, Lux is short, you know, Muncie, then you have Otani now, and then Hayward and um, – Outman. So you need to find somebody that's a a really good right-handed bat that they could put in left field um, that can play out there. Potentially you'd like them to play every single day if they could, yeah. you know, just to have that consistent other right-handed bat in the lineup and not have it be a platoon guy where you're trying to bounce back and forth all the time. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see what they do moving forward that way. I would still be, expect them to be aggressive, but you mentioned they have a high level farm system. I wouldn't be surprised if they find some way to trade for maybe a pitcher, but then also like some controllable position player yeah, that I, helps fill what they need. Well, one of the guys that I was thinking, you know, depending on how they feel about Gavin Lux coming off of all his injuries was they could get a Corbin Burns and Willie Adamas package. Adamas um, doesn't make any sense to but, me. But with Gavin Lux playing short, 
you know, I mean, yeah. Yeah. And Adamus being a one-year rental, right? Well, it's a it's a right-handed power bat, so yeah, you know, you could if if you need that in your lineup, he plays a good shortstop. If you needed a shortstop again, but if Gavin Lux is healthy, I don't think they'll do that because Gavin Gavin Lux is a guy who really needs an opportunity. Like he really needs yeah. to play. They need to find out what they have in him because yeah. he was such a high-level prospect, and he's come up and he's been up and down a little bit as a you know in the big leagues. Like they need they need to find out what they've got in him for their planning moving forward yeah i was really going to be really excited to see what he was able to do last year because you know in 2022 he had that 114 wrc plus season a three war season i was going to be really interested to see and then he obviously tore his acl there um and never got to play but i i i think they're going to give him the reins at short and just let him see from there um you still have miguel vargas like as your bench player that can fill in and play that or not miguel vargas miguel rojas um he's still going to be on there too so uh, it's I you know I think the move if they do one it has to be for like a left fielder that's a consistent right handed bat uh, for this team just it's too many lefties at this point yeah. but then obviously like we've we've mentioned that pitching staff is the starting market is where they're going to have to be aggressive here in their next couple moves um, for sure but um, a little bit I want to talk about. I mean, we've heard a lot about this over the recently the past week or so as this whole thing played out. But, you know, we'll talk about how after he signs, how the market will look and what what we expect moving forward. But what do you think about how his free agency played out and the kind of the code of secrecy that everyone's been kind of had to be to and then reporters kind of jumping through it, but then also saying like, well, this is bad for baseball. Like, what what are your whole thoughts on that? Because I know I have some that uh, I, I want to speak on. Um, you know i I think that I think that sometimes you know so, so players pl- players want to go through things privately. Sometimes you know it's a big decision. Um, I think that you know I think that part of it was probably his agency wanted to you know wanted to drive up prices and without a ton of info floating around, you know, um, you know, that, cause I think that was a big deal. Like, you know, I, all the, a lot of the Toronto stuff might've been even, you know, I think the agency wanted to control everything. Um, so they basically said, if we're going to hold it against teams for leaking stuff. And of course, obviously at the end of the day, that ended up not being a, you know, I think because, uh, you know, after the Dave Roberts comments the other day, but um, I mean, I think that um, I, I don't I don't necessarily think it's bad for the sport that Shohei didn't want to be real, you know, be real um, open about this thing. I do think it's bad for the sport that Shohei doesn't meet with the media very often, and it's I, I don't I don't especially like that. I think it's I think it's always good to hear from your star players. Um, you know, I wish he would, and maybe he changes that now. But, you know, I, I think that sometimes just not being able to – not hearing from him is, you know, kind of sucks. I mean, even like when he won MVP, they didn't even have the press conference because the – you know, they said that the – there was something wrong. There was te- some kind of technical difficulty. They didn't reschedule it. Like if, if there was actually a technical difficulty, then they probably would have rescheduled. Um, so I didn't love that. But, I mean, I, I think that um, – I don't think it's that – I don't think it's – process was necessarily bad the one thing that that does frustrate me a little bit is that this whole thing has 
held up the market for a long for a, for a large portion of the off season. And now I think teams are going to have to scramble. So I don't think it's super fair to a lot of the other players that he waited so long um, as kind of the big domino to go. And I mean, especially with the fact that like everyone kind of thought he was going to the Dodgers from the beginning. Um, You know, now if he's if something happened and he decided he didn't want to go to the Dodgers, then he, you know, then then maybe it would have taken this long. But it it just it, you know, it's a little bit, you know. You would have liked to have seen this happen at or before the winter meetings, in other words. Yeah, to me, how I think about it is is that he's he's deserved the right and he's earned the right to go through this free agency process however he wanted to with the, the cone of secrecy or whatever. Um, you know, there was the report that they were going to hold, you know, leaks were going to be held against teams. I never thought that was actually real, but... The one part I will say is it. this is a massive um, – the whole way the process played out was a massive, massive um, disservice to baseball. Like as in that baseball could have used this, MLB could have used this as a way to help grow the game and make the game bigger than ever through this because Otani is such the international global superstar. Um but at the end of the day, I think that this process played out exactly how autonomy wanted it to, how he earned the right to, and that I don't fault him for wanting to do this way. But in the end, it is a missed opportunity for baseball and the MLB to be able to grow the game and use this as a as like a beacon type per se to bring people into the game. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about um... – there's been a lot of talk about the free agency periods that they do in other sports and maybe doing that in baseball. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be a kind of cool idea to do. I don't know exactly how that would work, but um, I mean, I, I think it'd be easy. You just yeah. basically shut it down until like yeah. December 1st or whatever, you know, or yeah, you take off the month, the month of yeah, December. The or something. Two first two weeks of December are free agency period, then <laughs> take a break for the holidays and then have a secondary free agency period or something yeah. like in February and in, in January before spring training. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's you know, and I, that's probably something baseball look into because if you if you think about it, you're we're talking about you know growing the game, you know, it, a lot of times in other sports that two week period of free agency, uh, especially yeah. like in the NBA, think about how crazy how many people are talking about the NBA in the middle of the mm-hmm. off season and during that, yeah. that that week of free agency. Um, I think the same thing can be said about you know baseball. NFL is a little bit different just because there's not quite as much free agency. Um, but you know, I think baseball could, could really benefit from having all eyes on it for like a week in December or something. So that, that would be, that would yeah. be something that I would definitely look at. I mean, I wouldn't even be opposed to saying like, Hey, we start it. And then when the winter meetings end, it's, it, it's a dead period until after the new year. Yeah. Like that would be, that would be the thing. I mean, the winter meetings was just this week, you know, so it would basically be that first week in December there. and then it's off for a month and it gives everyone time to, you know, whatever. And it might create a a de facto deadline where people are wanting to sign before that. So they're not waiting until after the new year, trying to figure out where they have to go in six weeks um, or whatever. So the way that it it all played out here. um, And I think we should probably jump into what, like yesterday was an eventful day on social media. Um, I think we should probably talk a little bit about that and how, um, that kind of thing and how the reporters have have played this before we move on to what this looks like for the market here. 
Um, so it had been evident here. The finalists really came down to what everyone thinks is it was the Angels, Dodgers, and kind of the Toronto Blue Jays, which kind of came out of nowhere the past, I'd say, what, week, week and a half, I would say. Um, I know we they, they ended up having a meeting with him Monday at their spring training complex in uh, Dunedin, Florida. Um, and then really, like, since Wednesday, I feel like it had kind of really shifted to the Blue Jays were kind of the favorite here. Everyone said they were really, you know, stepping it up. And then yesterday there was reports that he was, which take this for what it was, he was flying from Anaheim to Toronto to go there. And everyone's like, oh, well, he's signing with the Blue Jays. He has a contract with the Blue Jays. We'll come to find out he was just in his house in Newport Beach, never even left. Um, and and uh, then, you know, nobody really – knew what was happening. Reporters were saying both ways what was happening. It's just incredibly, incredibly weird. And I think this kind of needs to shed a light on how baseball reporters, especially use free agency and how agencies and teams use these, these reporters as like mouthpieces to spread their disinformation around. Yeah. I mean, the, that report, you know, sometimes, Sometimes when, when, when things are real secretive, um, sometimes you get erroneous reports. You might have one guy that thinks he hears something from somebody and that person was watching flight aware or something like that, you know? Um, and you know, and then in the rush to report something, you know, be the first, so you get the clicks, you know, you report something that ends up being false. I mean, it happens all the time, you know, and, and, and you hear things sometimes that are, are true and then they end up not being true. Like, I think last year when the when Heyman reported the judge to the Giants, I think that, that basically what happened was there was a lot of a lot of optimism in San Francisco that they were going to get him. And they someone told Heyman from them that said, oh, yeah, we got him. And Heyman took that to believe he like they actually like had officially signed him when it, whenever when they really had him. Um, I think that sometimes you've got, you know, you, you get stuff like that. But I mean, that, that whole, you know, flight thing was, that was weird. I mean, why would Shohei be riding on a plane to Toronto without having announced I'm going to the Blue Jays? I mean, that, that would just be weird. So um, definitely, uh, and, and the Blue Jays being involved in this was always kind of a weird thing too, in, in my opinion. I, I never really understood it totally. Um, yeah, I, I never understood it from the fact of like how their team construction and how, you know, everyone says that Otani is all about winning and longevity of winning and that. And I mean, there were already kind of people speculating and, and even some Toronto people, like if they sign Otani, like they've tried to sign Vlad and Bo Bichette to extensions and haven't really came close to those yet. Like they potentially have to trade one of them at least um, to, to even have a chance to extend the other one. It was just super weird. I never understood that totally. And if for everyone saying how like how comfortable Otani is and how much of a creature of habit he is and all of that, and having himself move from his house in Newport Beach and the Southern California lifestyle and just everything where he's already got accustomed to the past, you know, six years to go to Canada and live there, basically. It's like it made it made a kind of no no sense. Um in the end. So anyways, so let's move on to what it kind of does for the market now. I mean, you, you talked about, you know, it kind of felt like Shohei Otani was holding up the market. People were trying to figure out what it was going to do. The pitching market, especially with, with, um, 
you know, Otani not being able to pitch this year, but people were still kind of interested in that. And then Otani was kind of holding up Yoshinobu Yamamoto's market a little bit. Um, so as we look forward to this next week or so, week or two weeks kind of on the market, obviously everything's going to pick up in general, but what do you think about what the next couple weeks looks like for the market and what that, um, you know, who's the big biggest benefactors now? Yeah, um, well, I, I think that the market's about to to, to go up. Um, I think that if you look at the, I think after the Shohei move, I, I think the big thing is there. You know, there. I think there are probably three or four, maybe five other teams that you know did believe that they wanted to say at least at least save the money for the time being to in case they were able to land Shohei. Cause I know, you know, Toronto, the, the angels and the Dodgers ended up kind of being the finalists, but I, I do think the Cubs were still in on him to a certain level, you know, and, and maybe the giants and, you know, maybe, maybe some other teams who knows there's been mixed reports on who all was actually involved and whatever. But, um, you know, I think that some, some teams were probably holding their money and, and these free agents understand that. And they know that some teams were not sure what they were going to do. So they want the full, like, demand of hey they, they want the full supply of teams to go to um and you know now there's probably three or four teams who are real eager to they've got 50 million dollars they had earmarked for potential shohei and now they're they've got that money to spend so you you know you look at the cut you look at cody bellinger like he could be a guy that is close to coming off the market because now you've got a you know now you got some teams like toronto uh, you've got the Cubs. You've got some teams that really need that left-handed outfielder that you know maybe had some money earmarked for Shohei Otani. That now that money's free, and Cody Bellinger might be the guy that they turn to. Um, you know, I think definitely some of the DH guys like like JD Martinez, Jorge Soler. Um, you know, some of those guys are are, are going to be in that in that running too. And then just pitching, like you say. I mean, I, I think that I think that teams, like I say, I think they're just the market was held up a little bit because nobody knew how much money that they were going to have to spend. And the teams knew, and the players knew that too. So, um, you know, you still got Blake Snell out there, Jordan Montgomery, uh, Kershaw won't pitch most of the year, but um, you've got, um, you know, Marcus Stroman still out there. I don't think the pitching market's held been held back quite as much as the other markets. Um, but definitely, definitely interesting thing to look at. Um, I think that the trade market might have been held up a little bit too. Uh, teams not sure that you know, like like for example, I, I know the White Sox kind of pulled back Dylan Cease the other day, saying, "Hey, we're just going to let things play out for a little while before we really get back involved in moving him." And uh, I think the reasoning behind that was just like, you know, who's going to be desperate that needs somebody now? And I think that's that's a big deal for a lot of these teams. So um, I think the market's about to move pretty fast. Um, I think that you're going to see. You know, I, over the next week or two uh, before Christmas, um, you know, I, I think you know, it'll probably quiet down for the week of Christmas. But before then, I think you'll see, you know, a few of these bigger name guys. I, I would imagine you'd probably see a couple of pitchers. Um, maybe uh, maybe Jordan Montgomery ends up going um, pretty soon. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, uh, maybe Marcus Stroman or, or some of these kind of mid-level uh, pitchers uh, like Giolito maybe. I don't really think I think Snell will be one of the last ones, but yeah. um, just because I don't think I don't think he's going to value his market like teams are. But I think some of these other guys who kind of it's kind of clear what they are, um, 
like Jordan Montgomery. It's kind of clear that he's a good mid-rotation starter that you can rely on to pitch a lot of innings, and, and he's a good postseason performer. Like everyone knows who he is. So I think that you're um, you, you look at some guys like that, but I don't think pe- teams are going to be very. I think the Snell will probably be the last one, but uh, a lot of these pieces. I mean, we're we're starting to run low on free agents now too. I mean, you got you know Nola is gone, Sunny Gray is gone, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez is gone, now Otani's gone. Um, you know, I think that a lot of the markets are going to start to to move a little bit, and uh, it's going to be interesting for sure. Yeah, I think you're going to see it, the market explode. I mean, like you like you mentioned, I think here in the next week or two, we're going to have a rash of moves. Um, you're going to see teams like the Blue Jays, you know, they were all in on Otani, and then they were also in on the Juan Soto trade stuff, which obviously we'll talk about all that on Tuesday, but they didn't get either one of them. I mean, do they pivot to a Bellinger and re-signing Chapman? The Giants now missed on Otani. Do they go Yamamoto and Bellinger or Chapman? I mean, you got teams that are willing to spend big money having missed on Otani and then obviously the bit best, you know, player on the trade market is now gone too. So it really comes down to, to what, what are people going to do? And I think you're going to see a lot of teams kind of scrambling and making some, uh, making some upping their offers uh, and trying to make some moves pretty quickly before uh, the, their secondary targets come start coming off the board. Yeah. I want to make one more point about the whole free agency thing. And, I think that um, I don't think it's going to be very. I don't think it's going to be very. Um, I don't think it's going to be talked about all that much. But I think that free agency is going to be very difficult for the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, and I think that you look at guys like Juan Soto in free agency. I think there's. I, I don't think that the Shohei contract is really going to going to move where value is. I think Shohei is a one. You know, with his. The, the historic nature of his game and the international appeal of his game as well, be it, you know, with, with the Japanese uh, appeal, uh, I, I think that he's a one, you know, he's a one man yeah. thing. And I think that some of these other players who are thought of as generational type players like Juan Soto are going to sit back and think that they're in that same realm when they aren't. And I think that you're going to see, like, it's going to be really interesting to see how those free agencies go in the next couple of years because Juan Soto is going to be a big one, and he's already turned down $400 million. So, but I don't think he's going to get $700 million unless he takes, like, no. 15 years or something. Like, um, you know, he's not going to get that much money. So, but he might think he should because he thinks I'm the best, I'm one of the best players in the game just like Shohei is. So it's going to be hard to say what what what, what he does, but... Um, I could see him maybe get 500 if he has a great year this year, but um, that's kind of the thing to look at going forward too. Just how do these, how, how are free agents valued at this at this stage? Because I do think that Shohei, like we talked about earlier, has that extra marketing appeal to him that a typical, really, really like a typical superstar player doesn't have that same marketability. They obviously bring a lot of marketability, and you do make a lot of revenue off of them, but the they don't have the same thing as Shohei. Right. So I think that I think that it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with a guy like Juan Soto and um, there's probably a couple others coming up. I I don't off the top of my head I can't think of who who else it is, but um, I know there's a couple others coming up too. But uh, that's going to be something very interesting to look at here in the next few years. Yeah, I mean you make a great point. It, it, this does not affect the the top of the market for years to come, in, in my opinion. It shouldn't. 
um, just because of, like you mentioned, who Otani is and the ability that he has to potentially play both ways. Um, where he's basically getting paid as like the top of the level for both, um, for both sides of the ball there. But Soto will be an interesting one, but we'll talk plenty, plenty more about him on, uh, on the episode coming up this week. But, um, is there, is there anything else that we want to wrap up on the Otani, the free agency market, anything else? Uh, I don't think it's anything that we won't talk about on Tuesday. Um, I think we'll probably avoid the Otani thing for the most part on Tuesday since we've done this episode, but there, there have been some other moves. Eduardo Rodriguez, um, there was uh, the Jamer Candelario move. I think that Jace, Jason Hayward had, didn't happen in the last um, didn't happen in the last uh, week or two, but yeah, um, or it, we, we talked about it in the last episode, didn't we? Did Jason Hayward? Uh, yes. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. And, and yeah, um, you know, you had. I'm sure there'll probably be some more too. So we have um, Eduardo Rodriguez, Soto, this. Yeah, we have enough. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, Craig Kimbrell signing. Kimbrell, that was another yeah. one that happened. So. Yeah, we'll probably let David hit on his Otani thoughts on Tuesday. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. Um, but just we're doing our main Otani talk today, so <laughs> we won't ramble on for forty minutes on that episode about Otani. I promise you. But um, anyways, thank you guys for tuning in to this uh, emergency Shohei Otani to the Dodgers podcast, and I believe we will record on Tuesday night. Good. Yeah. We, yeah. We should. Yep. Tonight, so look for it out on uh, Wednesday. Thanks, everyone, and catch you then.